Hey, Woodland Church, how are you? Yeah. Hey, this weekend we're starting a new series that I think is really appropriate. We're calling it Emotional Rodeo. It's how to lasso your emotions so they won't run out of control and ruin your life. And let's start with some rodeo fun because it is rodeo time in Houston. So we're going to try to rope a bull that's famous for running wild in our minds and our hearts. I mean, once this bull gets going, he's really hard to lasso. And his name, of course, is Worry. And Ryan and Josh are going to help me out with a message today. And I thought they could start by showing their cowboy skills. And so they're going to try to rope Worry. It's not Fu Manchu. He's Worry. So um, you think you can do it, Josh? Nope. Oh. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I, I'll help you out. We'll put, a, we'll put a hat on you. Yeah, make you look Looking apart. good, Josh. Mm-hmm. There you go, uh, Ryan. Thanks, Dad. Yes. The young Garth Brooks right there. That's right. Yeah, uh-huh. Okay. Of course. All right. Now, Josh, you try it first and see. He's, uh, he's fast moving, as you can see. Uh-huh. You can't even pick up the rope. I think you just ruined it. City no. slicker. All right. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's see. See what's going on. And I like your boots. That was yeah. so close. Good job. Right. Give him right. a hand, you guys. There you go, Josh. Yeah. Take my, take my thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ryan, let's see what you can do because that first one was pathetic. The shook name is on the line right here. Come from a long line our, of rodeoers. I know. Our, hey, <laughs> <laughs> you wrote Josh. Right, I, got you. <laughs> I think that I was intentional. You've been wanting to do that. Our reputation as cowboys will be tarnished forever, Ryan. Yeah, I think it already is no because of your performance, Josh. Oh, Whoa. that was close. That was well, really, really close. Give these guys what? What? What's going on? What is it? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> what was that? That was different. Man, I wasn't expecting that, but um, whatever that was, um, that was that was pretty good. It was impressive. Pretty impressive. Yeah, the unicycle cowboy just came through. Um, give him a hand, you guys. I mean, wow. And Ryan and Josh are going to come back in a moment and help me, but we want to start out with a little bit of rodeo fun, but today... We're going to get serious to see what Jesus had to say about handling worry and anxiety. And we live in a time when it looks like we ought to be worried, where we ought to be filled with anxiety. With the COVID-19 coronavirus spreading, the stock market fluctuating wildly, everything just feels so uncertain and shaky. And you can't help it when worry fills your mind and floods your emotions. But Jesus tells us when everything feels uncertain and anxious thoughts invade your mind, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to strengthen your faith and experience supernatural peace that only God can give. Or it's an opportunity to be overcome by anxiety and paralyzed by fear. Hey, it's also an opportunity to test who you're trusting in. Whenever you go through anxious times, it's an opportunity for you to test yourself to find out what you're trusting in. The coronavirus reminds us, as human beings, how uncertain this world is 
and how fragile everything is that we're trusting in. A microscopic virus can shut entire economies down and bring the transportation industry to its knees and overwhelm healthcare systems. It just reminds us not to trust in anything that can change or be taken away. It's an opportunity for people to see there's only one that you can truly trust. And if you're trusting in anything or anyone other than Christ, then you ought to be worried today. And I'm not talking about the coronavirus, I'm just talking about how uncertain and temporary everything in this world really is. You see, feelings of anxiety is really an opportunity, folks, to experience the supernatural and powerful peace of God. And it's also an opportunity for people to see that peace of God in your life. It's an opportunity for people to see that and give God control of their lives. But the Bible tells us the main reason anxiety gets out of control in our lives is because we're wrestling for control. Anxiety is wrestling for control. Hey, worry is really a control issue when you boil it all down. We try to control the economy and we can't, so we worry about it. We try to control our future, but we can't, so we worry about it. We try to control our lives so we never get coronavirus and we should do whatever we can do and that's why we're doing a lot of extra things here at Woodlands Church, but ultimately you can't control never getting sick, so we worry about it. So we're gonna look at what Jesus had to say about anxiety because Jesus declared war on worry. It's Jesus versus anxiety and we're gonna be looking at some verses in Matthew chapter six, beginning with verse 25. We're just gonna go verse by verse through that. It's a powerful study today. But I wanna say right up front that there's also a physical component to anxiety. I mean, spiritual, emotional, mental, physical, all, all comes together, but there can be a chemical imbalance that causes an anxiety disorder or panic attacks caused by low serotonin. And I just want you to Know that up front because I personally have experienced that. You know, I have shared with you real openly and honestly that that anxiety attacks are something that I've struggled with and because of low serotonin and God has used it to help me trust him more and more. But I have to say no amount of trusting God took away my panic attacks. I had to go to a doctor and get some medicine and then I had to learn how to deal with anxiety better. Uh, but really, there was a physical component. And so I just want you to know that because however you struggle with anxiety, if it's a chemical imbalance or it's just that you're a really good worrier, <laughs> it doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. It is, however, an opportunity to learn to trust God more and experience more of his peace in your life. And it also means that if you dwell on those worries and you choose to focus on those worries and, and you choose to never really learn what God wants to do in your life by helping you overcome anxiety, then you're gonna get stuck. And, and that is a sin. And worry when we hold on to it, that anxiety when we hold on to it, when we let it dominate our lives, when we let the wild bull of worry run out of control in our lives and we don't let God corral it and lasso it and, and bring it under his control, then it is a sin that's very destructive. 
And so I want you to see three quick things about worry as we start out. Wrestling with anxiety is worthless. It's just worthless. So we'll start with Matthew 6, beginning with verse 25. Wrestling with worry is just flat out worthless. Jesus said, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Jesus was saying, worry doesn't really make sense. And because we worry about all these things that really aren't the important things, a lot of times they're the urgent things, but they're not the really important things, the eternal things that are gonna matter. Uh, So worry is just worthless. And then he says, wrestling with anxiety is a waste of time. It just doesn't work. It's not productive. It's not effective. It doesn't help anything. In Matthew 6, 27, he says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? See, worry doesn't make you live longer. In fact, it does just the opposite. It's very harmful to your health. Worry cannot change your past. Worry cannot control your future. There's only one thing that it can do, and that's mess up today. And I want you to know if you're worried about something, it may be small, it may seem insignificant, you may think, you know what, I really shouldn't be worried about this, but I have to say, if you're worried about it, then God cares about it because he doesn't want you to worry. And so you gotta pray about it. You gotta pray about those little things. Sometimes we don't pray about the little things because we think we're just supposed to pray about the big things. And yes, God wants us to be concerned about the big picture, and and God wants us to move away from all the trivial things, but we have to admit sometimes, hey, I'm worried about this thing. I know it's dumb, but I'm worried, so I need to pray about it. God doesn't want you to be filled with worry. The root English word for worry literally means to choke or to strangle. And if you get caught up focusing on worries and you hold on to your worries, that's exactly what happens. It chokes the life out of you. It strangles all the joy out of your life. It puts a chokehold on your joy. And so worry is worthless and wrestling with anxiety and worry is a waste of time. But I want you to see the third thing. Wrestling with anxiety is a weight that's unnecessary. It's totally unnecessary. Now Jesus here gives us two illustrations from nature. First he says, look at the birds, they don't worry, they trust God and God takes care of them. And then he says, look at the flowers, the flowers don't worry and God takes care of them. And so he's saying here, hey, the birds don't worry, the flowers don't worry, and God takes care of them, God takes care of nature, but in Matthew 6, 28, he comes back and he says, and why worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not clothed as beautifully as they are. And here's the point he's making. Plants don't worry, animals don't worry, There's only one thing in all of God's creation that worries, and that's human beings. All creation trusts God except for humankind. And that's why holding on to your worries is a weight that you weren't created to carry. That's why it causes so many health problems. God never created you to be able to carry the weight of your worries. God never created you to be able to hold on to your anxious thoughts. You weren't made for that. You were made to trust God because God is big enough to carry all the weight of your burdens. 
in Matthew 6.30. It says, and if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you, O men of little faith? See, we have a heavenly Father who loves us, who cares about every detail of our lives, and we can trust him to take care of us. And worry doesn't work. It's worthless. And it's a weight that you were never created to carry. But our Heavenly Father says, give me the weight of all your worries. You can trust me. Worry is really a trust issue. When you hold on to your anxious thoughts, you're saying, God, I don't believe that you're big enough to take care of me. God, I don't think you can fix this situation, so I've got to worry about it, which does nothing. God, I don't believe you. You can't help me. Now, you can't help it when worried thoughts invade your mind, but then you get to choose to give it to God or hold on to it. Now, we're going to look at how to win over worry, and Ryan is going to come up here and and tell you how you can shift your mindset because that's what it really is all about. You can't help it with worried thoughts invade your mind and heart, but then you've got to shift your mindset. And he's going to share with you the first two paradigm shifts that must take place in your mind because worry and anxiety is like trying to drive your car and you're revving the engine. You put the pedal to the metal and the gas all the way, but you have the car in park. You're using up a lot of fuel, but you're not getting anywhere. And that's the way it is with worry and anxiety. You use up a lot of fuel and energy, and it's harmful, but you're not getting anywhere until you shift gears in a drive. And, and there are four shifts that have to take place that we're going to talk about. So before Ryan comes up, I want to lead us in a word of prayer, because that's the first thing that we need to do with all that's going on and, and the fears that are running rampant, is we need to pray for those who have been affected by the coronavirus. And we need to pray for Jehovah Rapha for his healing. And and for God to take this away because, you see, God is a good God. He doesn't cause bad things to happen, but sometimes he allows things into our lives. You just never know the things that he's protecting you from. There's so many things every day that he protects us from with his protective hedge around us as believers. But then every once in a while he lets something in, and, and it's always for his glory and our good, even though sometimes we don't understand it. But we need to pray and and lift everything that's going on up to God because he hears and he cares. We're not big enough to handle the weight of worries, but he handles everything. So let's pray right now. Dear God, we thank you so much for your love for us, and we thank you for how you're working in our lives. There's been an amazing couple of months at Woodlands Church, just more growth and life change than ever before, and we thank you for it. But Lord, we know that so many now are hurting. So many are filled with fear because of the coronavirus and and all that's going on, Lord, in our society today. And we just pray that you would bring peace as only you can, that we would be a people of peace, and peace in our hearts. We pray also for healing, Lord God, that you would bring healing, Jehovah Rapha, to all those who are affected by the virus, that you would just protect us and strengthen us and guide us, because what an opportunity we have, Lord, to be a light in this world. In a world of fear, Lord, we have an opportunity to be people of faith. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So welcome, Ryan, guys. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Dad. When my dad asked me to help with the message, me and Josh, I definitely felt some anxiety. But let me really dig into this, and, and let me pose something to you. Maybe you've felt this before. It's another sleepless night. You stare at the green glow of the alarm clock, and it's telling you it's 2 a.m., 
The kids are asleep. Your spouse seems to be asleep. Everyone seems to be peaceful and quiet except for you. You have those anxious thoughts that keep coming up about the week ahead, the deadline, the project, the overdue bill. All these anxious thoughts are filling your mind. Have you ever had one of those nights? Maybe you've had many of those nights. What does it mean to have anxious thoughts? Well, it means that you're human. That is what anxiety means. You're not immature. It doesn't mean you have a mental deficiency. And most important, it does not mean that you're a bad Christian. Christians, too, struggle with anxiety. It's common. Worry about the future is one of the most common sources of anxiety. A barrage of what-ifs can fill your mind at any time. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this doesn't happen? Well, if we want to win in this war over worry, we have to make some critical shifts like my dad mentioned. He mentioned that it, can, it uses so much energy just being worried, but then how do we win in this war? The first dramatic shift that you have to make is from fearing the future to praising in the present. That's the first blank. Fearing the future to praising in the present. If we continue reading the, uh, the verse in Matthew that my dad was reading, chapter 6, verse 34, it says this. This is what Jesus says. So don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live one day at a time. I love that reminder, live one day at a time. A few weeks ago in the series, The Gift of One Day, my parents talked about just for today prayers. Lord, give me the strength I need just for today. You see, God designed you to live moment by moment, day by day, but the anxious person's mind is often split between the present moment and a wide array of future possible days, most of which will never come to fruition. Now, I don't know about you, but my anxious thoughts about the future can wear me out, like my dad talked about, just revving my engine constantly. When fears about the future start to overwhelm us, it's a good sign that we need one of those just for today, just for today Lord prayers. See, study the Bible and meditation can be so valuable, but if I'm honest, most of the time, my prayers go like this. Lord, I need you today. I need you more than I ever have. Please take care of my anxious thoughts because they're gonna get the better of me. Help me to trust you with the things I wanna worry about and trust that you're in control. Help me to not worry about the things that I don't have control over. I don't necessarily spend all that time really meditating and studying the Bible. I wish I was better at that, but most of the time, I just have to be real with God. Now, in Philippians chapter four, the apostle Paul finds himself persecuted for trying to share the good news of Christ. And I love this chapter because it is one of the most critical chapters on worry. He's waiting in a jail cell to stand trial for sharing the good news of Christ. And while in jail, Paul writes a letter to one of his church plants, the church at Philippi. This is what he writes in Philippians 4.4, with no money to his name, with chains around his feet, and waiting for almost certain death. This is what he writes. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. That's Philippians 4.4. Now, I feel like Paul is writing this to me. He's saying, rejoice in the Lord always, Ryan. Let me say it again, rejoice. I love that emphasis on continuing to rejoice. He says it twice to make sure we get it. It would have been so easy for Paul to have focused on his problems in this moment. He could have meditated on the mess because that's all he had in his life. You see, the more you stare at the problem, the bigger it gets. I don't know if you've experienced this, but in my life, I find a problem, I focus on it, and it grows and grows and grows, even if the actual circumstances haven't changed. Now, the minute you begin to feel that tightening in your chest, that anxiety or that fear of the future, this is what you have to do. You have to begin to decide where you're gonna focus. Will you look down at the problem and stare at what, what you think is gonna take you over, or are you gonna look up at the king of peace? 
Are you going to rejoice in the Lord always? Is God bigger than your problem? Has he never faced this kind of thing before? Does he have a good track record in your life? Is he not strong? Is he not sovereign? Has he not come through every time for you? You have to lift those kind of thoughts up in your life. Remind yourself and praise him in the present moment. You have to shift your thoughts every single day from fear of the future to praising God in the here and now because he's good and he continues to come through in your life. Now, the second thing we have to do if we wanna win in this war over worry is we have to make a dramatic shift from worry to prayer. I know this sounds like a simple shift, and it is, but it's so critical to understand and really think about. After Paul reminds us to rejoice in Philippians 4, verse 4, he goes on in 5 through 7, right after this, to write these words. These are some of the greatest words on anxiety you'll ever, you'll ever read. This is what he writes. Philippians 4, 5 through 7. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is one of my favorite passages because it is the antidote to anxiety. Before we move on, I want you to underline that sentence uh, early on. The sentence is this, the Lord is near. I know I usually skip over into don't be anxious and all that kind of thing, but we need to focus on the fact that the Lord is near, so underline that. I have two kids, Ben, who's five, and Joanna, who's three, and you've probably seen them running around the church at different times. I love them, I love being a dad. They're amazing kids, and they're just so fun to hang out with. Now, during the day, they ask me for all kinds of things. They'll say things like, Dad, will you play with us? Dad, will you make me a sandwich? Daddy, can I get on your shoulders? Other times, they'll say, they'll be way more demanding, and they say, Dad, make me a snack. Dad, I want a toy. Dad, turn the show on. I don't know about you, but if you're a parent, you can probably relate to this. Our kids can ask us and demand all throughout the day. And during the day, my kids don't necessarily care where I am as long as I can answer what they need as soon as they ask for it. And I can give them what they want. But at night, when the lights are off and the anxious thoughts in their three and five-year-old minds begin to churn in their mind, and they begin to be a little bit of a scared of being alone or the monster under their bed, when those anxious thoughts start to come, this is what they do at night. At night, they just say, Daddy, will you stay in my room? Daddy, will you stay close? At night, my kids don't want me to do anything for them. They just want me to be with them, to be close, to be near. And I love drawing near to them. One of my favorite things in the entire world as a dad is to hold them. You see, I don't think God minds when we ask him for things. I really don't. But I do think that God wants us to ask him for his presence more than anything else. God is always near, but it's in our pain, it's in our worry that we cry out to him, that we ask for his presence. And I think that's one of the main reasons that God allows us to walk through those anxious times. He wants us to draw close to him, to pray openly and honestly. He wants us to pray honest prayers that say, Daddy, draw close to me. You see, the world and the enemy will shout at you all day long, all the time, 24-7. They'll tell you things like, the world is falling apart. You're never going to make it. This problem's gonna last, it's gonna get worse, you should give up now. These are the things that the world tells you constantly in your mind and the media all the time. But in Philippians 4, Paul reminds us that all this is wrong and that God truly is near. Over time, what I've learned is that God rarely speaks loudly. Way more often, he speaks in the hushed tone of a father who cares and truly wants to draw close to you. 
In the middle of our darkest nights, God whispers, relax, I'm here. Everything's gonna be all right. Look again at verse seven. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love that verse. I don't know about you, but I could use a peace that transcends all understanding right now. And because he is close, we truly don't have to be anxious about anything in our lives. Take a moment and really think about it. Think about your anxiety, the anxious thoughts right now that are filling your mind. 99% of the things that you're anxious about right now are never going to happen. They won't. Some of the things that you are worried about will happen and it won't be nearly as bad as you thought it was going to be. But then sometimes, occasionally, God will allow something that is harder than we could have ever imagined into our lives and it hurts worse than we ever could have anticipated. And even in those dark moments, even in our worst pain, our darkest night, the grace and peace of God guards our hearts and heals our wounds. Through Christ Jesus, we have a peace that truly transcends understanding. I'm so glad for that. I'm so thankful for that. Now Josh is gonna show us the third critical shift that we have to make if we wanna win in this war over worry. Thanks, Ryan. Give Ryan a hand. Yeah. <laughs> well, the third thing that we have to do is shift from control to surrender. You know, to experience a peace that surpasses understanding, we have to give our heart over to the only one who can ensure its protection. If anything in this imperfect world has a foothold in our heart, then when things inevitably don't go as planned, we can get deeply hurt. But Jesus said in John 16, that even though we will face hardships in this life, that we should take heart, for he is greater than the world. You know, if you don't wanna be overcome by the hardships and uncertainty of this life, you have to surrender your life to the only one who has overcome the ultimate hardship. You see, Jesus rose from the dead. He overcame the ultimate consequence of our sin in this world so that we could experience freedom from fear and worry. I mean, when we get down to it, that's what we are ultimately afraid of. Uh, so often we make decisions based upon the question, what's the worst that could happen? You know, we never make our decisions on, well, what's the best possible outcome? Uh, well, Let's take that to the logical conclusion. You know, how many of you guys have, in the midst of this coronavirus crisis or with the stock market, whatever, the first thing you do, you get up, you check your phone, and you're trying to sift through the information to find out, okay, but what's the worst possible thing that I need to plan for? You know, let's take that to its logical conclusion. Well, you could die. I mean, all of us here would probably agree that the worst possible thing that could happen to us in this life is that we could die. That's the root of our deepest fear and anxiety. What if I die? We have an enemy who uses the fear of death to keep us paralyzed, complacent, and afraid. It's his most reliable tool. Why is that? Because it's the one thing we all have in common. I hate to break it to you, but the one thing you can be absolutely sure, you can be absolutely certain of in this life is that it's going to end. Whether Jesus comes back or we die, it's going to end. But because of Jesus, death doesn't have the final word. John 3.16 tells us that those who accept God's free gift of forgiveness are promised eternal life. But more than that, 
His gift of salvation gives us perspective. In light of his resurrection, everything Jesus said in Matthew 6 takes on new meaning. He says, isn't life more important than food? The body more important than clothes? If God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, how much more will he care for you who will share eternity with him? If he cares so much for something that is only meant to be temporary, how much more does he care for you who were made to last eternity? He goes on to say in Matthew 6, 32, that people who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. As believers, we should know better. So why is this so hard to live out? For me, it's because it's so easy to forget that surrendering to God is a daily action. For some of us, we are so used to engaging in this futile struggle of trying to get a hold of worry in our lives that just the thought of letting go is excruciating. It's like when something unexpected happens, we go into emergency response mode, we have to get a handle on it. Or if you're like me, when worry and stress hit, you find a distraction, you withdraw. When I have a deadline or if there is something hanging over my head, I will ignore it for as long as I possibly can. And my wife loves that about me. But surrender doesn't mean that we disengage from life. It means that we get serious about being alive. When things don't go according to plan, whether we withdraw or take matters into our own hands, we are surrendering to fear. My life can either be a response to this fluid and temporary world or to God's unchanging eternal promises. But it comes down to how we live our life every day. See, I'm so grateful that the Lord called my wife and I here to Woodlands Church for so many reasons. But there was a time not too long ago when if you would have asked me, I would have told you, well, I never want to go into ministry, never doing that, and I'm definitely not going to work at my parents' church. <laughs> and that's not because I disagreed with them or, because, or that I didn't love you guys, of course. I just, I just wanted to be my own person. You know, I wanted to, I was, in my insecurities, I wanted to set myself apart somehow. But it became so clear to me as Kelly and I felt we were being called into ministry that there was only one place I wanted to be. And as we were praying about it, you know, one of the biggest sources of clarity for us was when I would look back at life growing up with this body of believers in the highs and the lows, and I realized that I had been blessed with a front row seat to God's faithfulness. You see, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for my parents' unwavering trust in the Lord. I just like to brag on them. But when the church started, and we were meeting in the John Cooper School, in just this you know, private school, um, my parents stored all of the sound and equipment and supplies for the services on Sunday in the garage of our rental home. And so every weekend from the time I was about, I don't know, three or four, my dad would rent a U-Haul every weekend, load up everything for, to do church, drive it to this school, and set up for the service, and we do church, and then load it all up, bring it back, return the U-Haul. And Ryan and I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. You know, we were like, we just thought dad had the biggest truck on the block, that somehow it got a new paint job every week, 
And, you know, there's only this giant bench seat, so we got to sit in the front. And we knew we would try to let, hey, can we just ride in the back with all the stuff? That sounds real fun. No, it wouldn't let us do that. One time, we were even driving down Woodlands Parkway, and uh, the hood, for some reason, wasn't latched down, and it just flew up, and so my dad was swerving, and, and thankfully, we were all right, but he was able to pull off to the shoulder, and Ryan and I are screaming, we're like, this is amazing! You can, why don't you drive like that all the time? You, you can do that? I mean, we just thought it was like a ride at Disneyland. We loved it. We loved, you know, just the adventure every weekend, and it was only when I got older that I was able to fully appreciate how that was a time of exceptional stress and worry for my parents. They saw God moving mightily. They were certain that they were doing what he had called them to do, but the day-to-day, the week-to-week, they were filled with worry and uncertainty. You know, setting up, tearing down, greeting everyone. My dad would prepare and preach the message. My mom would run the children's ministry at the, the time, you know, raising three, then four kids. I don't know how they did it. <laughs> But in the midst of that exceptional stress, I saw firsthand my parents' steadfast trust in the Lord. They weren't perfect, far from it, and uh, they didn't act like they had it all together, as that U-Haul story clearly illustrates. But they had a peace. They never could have dreamed of what God would do through Woodlands Church. But that didn't matter. They were doing what God had called them to do. They would tell us the Lord is in control, and they put him first in their lives. They gave him the first part of their day. We would see them spend time with the Lord in prayer, uh, reading through God's word. And they would be, made him first in our family. They talked about the importance of having a relationship with Jesus. And, and the, even in their finances, one time Ryan came down the stairs after they had put us to bed, and they were talking about their budget and, and about giving. And, and that made a profound impact on all of us. They, they just lived it out. And we noticed, your kids notice. You see, times of stress are the only chance we really get to live out our faith. We may say one thing to our kids, profess one thing. We may teach them one thing and to those around us, we might say God's in control, but if we panic or react differently, the first sign of uncertainty, people see right through it. And parents, your kids definitely see right through it. The good news, is that God's mercies are new every morning. If you haven't surrendered your worries to the Lord, you can start now. Every stress or worry is an opportunity to profess your trust in God's promises. So I just want to encourage you that just because things seem out of control and there's a lot of uncertainty about the future, we can live our lives on the promise of Jesus, just like, we have when, like, just like we do when times are good. Because we know where our treasure is. We know that he is drawing near to us, like Ryan said, and we are secure. I know for, I mean, you can't compare situations, but I know that Ryan and I, I can speak for him and all of us, we always felt secure growing up in this church and with my parents. No matter what the situation was and the highs and the lows, Man, God's in control. You know, we get to see God move, and that is a blessing. That is incredible. We don't deserve it. And so we're going to give him all the glory here at Woodlands Church. Now, my dad is going to come back and talk about how we can move from control to surrender by putting God first. 
Thanks, Josh. Thank you, Josh and Ryan, for helping me out so much with this message. But there's a fourth and really important thing. We've got to shift from the urgent to the important. And what an opportunity to do that. In Matthew 6, 31, Jesus said, so don't worry at all. Your heavenly Father already knows perfectly well that you need them, and he will give them to you if you give him first place in your life and live as he wants you to. I want you to underline those two words, already knows. A lot of times we live like God has no idea about our needs. God has no idea about our problems. God has no idea that we're going through what we're going through. But he already knows exactly what you need. He already knows what you're worried about, and he wants to meet your needs. But there is a condition with this promise. God says, I'm gonna meet all your needs. I'm gonna take care of you. I'm gonna see you through, but there's a condition with this promise. With every promise, there's a premise. And the premise here is, I have to put God first in every area of my life. That's the condition. Give him first place in every area of your life, and that's a really practical thing. And so when you're going through times of anxiety and stress and things are overwhelming, go right back to putting God first, and he takes care of the rest. If you don't do anything else, put God first, and he takes care of the rest. And how do you do that? Give him the first day of the week. Give him the first day of the week. Be in church and say, God, I'm putting you first. I'm giving you the first day of the week, whether it's Saturday night or Sunday morning, be here in church. Now, you know, as long as all the health experts say it's okay, it's, and we're doing everything we can, be here in church. If you're sick, don't come to church. Just worship with us online. You know, I mean, and, and um, if you're at risk, then don't come to church. Just worship with us online. We have a great online campus. It's amazing, but, but be here in church. Don't let things keep you from putting God first. And if it gets really bad and they say we're not supposed to meet, then we won't meet. Or No, I don't know what we'll do. We'll have 20,000 services, one person at a time. How about that? I'll preach 20,000 times. Ryan and Josh will really have to help me out then. So we'll do whatever. We're going to do whatever it takes because we're a church that is built on faith and not fear. And so I, I just really encourage you, put God first, give him the first day of the week, and then secondly, give him the first part of your day. Before you go to your newsfeed and get freaked out, go to God's word and get filled up. How about that? Go to God's word, get filled up with faith and truth, and it's good to keep up with what's going on, to try to do the best we can and, and do what we need to do, but go to God's word because that's where the truth is. That's where the power is. Keep going to God's word every day and, and on our website soon, Chris and I are going to start a, a video blog in uh, probably by next Monday and a video blog every day, just updates and things that you can concentrate on and, and fill your life with and encouragement. And then give God the first portion of your income. That's putting God first in your tithe. Putting God first when everything seems uncertain, God's promises are always true. And he says, if you put me first in your finances, I will meet your needs. I will meet you, and this is a chance to test God, to see if God does what he says he's going to do, and he will. God says, you can trust me. When you give, I'll give back to you, and I will meet your needs. I'll take care of you. 
not your greeds, but I'll meet your needs. God says, I'll meet your needs, put me first. This is a chance for you to test God in that. And I wanna say all you guys worshiping online, we probably have a record online attendance today. Um, you sing with us, you study the Bible with us, and give with us. You can give right there online, giving God and putting God first. This is a time we're gonna step out in faith more than ever to be a witness to this community and all those around us. Put God first, and then give him first consideration in every decision that you make. Pray about it before you do something so you don't just run off and do something that's based on fear rather than faith. Put God first. Hey, in life, you'll either be a thermometer or a thermostat. Most people are thermometers. They just tell the temperature of everyone around them. They just express the temperature of the environment. If people around them are fearful, they become fearful. People are worried, they become worried. And they just pick up on the environment around them. But then some people are thermostats. They set the temperature. They change the environment around them. They're so filled with faith that it's contagious and it spreads to everyone else. Woodland Church, you've always been a thermostat people. You've always changed the environment. You've changed the community. You're world changers. And that's what we do. You know, I'm more convinced than ever the only hope of this broken, scary, and dark world is Jesus Christ. Through his body, the church, being his hands and feet and voice. What an opportunity we have now, I'm so glad I wasn't born 500 years ago. I'm so glad I wasn't born 500 years from now. I'm so glad I was born during this time. It's the greatest time in the history of the world to be alive. It's the greatest opportunity ever to be the hands and feet and voice of Jesus Christ, to share the love of Christ. But we can't do it if we're filled with fear because fear and faith can't occupy the same space. We have to be filled with the faith of the Lord Jesus, filled with his power and his supernatural peace that goes beyond comprehension. I want Josh to come back right now and I want us to sing a declaration. As Ryan said, instead of fearing the future, we praise God in the present and we thank God. So let's do that right now. Would you stand and, and let's sing to him and praise him. And we're gonna sing because we're no longer slaves to fear. We're children of God. You see, if you're a child of God, you have a heavenly father that loves you. He's gonna take care of you. He loves you. He'll see you through no matter what you go through. He doesn't want you to be filled with fear. He wants you to turn it over to him and let him hold you. When life gets too heavy, just turn it over to God. He's big enough to hold it and he'll hold you too. And when you feel like letting go, it's okay. He won't let go of you. Let's sing with all our heart. Sing in faith, no longer slaves to fear, because we're children of God. Yeah. Let's bow together. If you're a child of God, just praise him, thank him. That you have a heavenly father who already knows what you're thinking, what you're struggling with, and he loves you. And all you have to do is just roll those burdens off to him. And then in a few minutes, when you start worrying again, just do it again. He'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. He'll hold you, he's strong enough. Go to him every day. Let him take those burdens. You were never meant to carry them. We weren't meant to be in control because we're not God, he is. 
And the more we try to control, the more things spin out of control. So just surrender to his control and his care. And if you're not sure that you are a child of God, see, God loves everyone, created everyone, but he lets you choose whether or not you are adopted into his family and you want to be adopted into his family to become one of his children. And if you haven't done that, then you can do that right now. And you can know that your place in heaven is secure because of what he's done. And you can know that he'll see you through anything here on this earth. Just pray this prayer silently to God. Just say, dear Jesus Christ, I need you to save me. I need you to forgive me of all my sins and come into my life and fill me up with your peace and your strength and your purpose. And then I need you to take me to heaven one day. I can't get there without you. I accept your free gift of heaven and salvation and I receive it. And I ask you to change me from the inside out. Fill me with your faith and strength. Help me follow you from now on. For in Jesus' name, I pray, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. And now we're at the part of our service where we give back to God some of what he's given us. And then we're gonna sing again as we go out. But um, our ushers are gonna come at this time. And I just really challenge you, encourage you during this time, be faithful in your giving. Put God first. God will bless you for that. Whatever area you want God to bless, put him first in that area. And give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. With the measure you use, it will be measured unto you. And so Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive, and the blessing is ours. We get to give back. So give back to him. And by the way, there are several ways to give, and I want to just go through these because very few people bring checks or even have a checkbook today, but make sure it's regular. Make sure that you get a pattern down of giving to put God first. And here's the way check or cash you can give through your smartphone with PushPay. You just text give WC to 77977. And you get set up and you can give regular giving. And then give online at WC.org. And for those of you worshiping online, there's a button right there. It's give, give. And I unashamedly say, you know, to give. Put God first for your sake, for his glory, and for the church. Because the body of Christ is the hope of the world. There's no other hope. Jesus said when he ascended to heaven, he said, I'm gonna leave my Holy Spirit in you and you're gonna be my hands and my feet. You church, you, my body, are the only hope for this hurting world. There's no other hope. There's no other organization. There's nothing else that can save this hurting world except the church, the body of Christ, being Jesus to people. And so I just unashamedly say, Put God first, give for his glory and for your good. It's the only thing that breaks the grip of materialism in our lives is giving. And I'm telling you, your kids see it. Your kids notice. Your kids see and you can train them for those of your parents to be givers. I remember my parents taught me whenever I got $1 in my allowance to give 10 cents back to God. I made $100 mowing lawns. I'd give the first $10 back to God and when Chris and I got married, we said, you know, we gotta put God first in our marriage and our finances. And, and I'm so grateful for that. Never learn that, you're missing out. Start today. Lord, bless our giving. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. We pray, Lord, that you would just bless everyone who's giving, as I know you will, meet their needs, give them things that money can't buy, the most important things. And Lord, I also know you're gonna meet their needs financially, and I pray that you would do that for your kingdom's sake. Bless us to be a blessing. 
Lord, I just speak blessings over Woodlands Church. I speak blessings of health and strength and your purpose and your power and your peace, Lord, and your provision. I just speak blessings in your name, Jesus, over our community from Woodlands Church, over our city, over our nation, over our world from Woodlands Church. For, Lord, you raise us up to be a blessing. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.